This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live. Once again, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, February 10th, wherever and however you're connected, Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who dreams of dunking a basketball at 300 pounds, or dunking at all, Jason Shepard. Yeah, I, I was going to say, what, what is this at 300 pounds? At 165, I dream of being able to dunk a, <laughs> a basketball. Like, I remember back in the day, I, I could touch the rim. That was the pinnacle for me, was being able to, to jump up and touch the rim. Video or it didn't happen. Yes. Well, I'm not sure video existed back then, uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, so at any weight, the reason we bring this up, uh, Corbin Kafusi put on his uh, Instagram story, him dunking the basketball, and we've got video of it, and he says, hey, like I, I may not float like I did when I was 240, but I got all the power at 340. He's 340 pounds. Look, I, uh, I saw him at the gym a couple of weeks ago, and we were, because he's, for those that, that don't know why he's up to 340, he's actually trying to make the San Francisco 49ers as an offensive lineman. So they've asked him to put on weight, so that's why he's, he's putting on the weight. And he's, he's looking pretty good. Like he definitely, He's definitely got the, the looks of an offensive lineman. I love Corbin Kafusi. He's great. Elbow high on that dunk, by the way? Good grief. By the, the way, he's still jumping. Anything looks better when it's in slow-mo. There's something about <laughs> slow-mo that just makes things cool. <laughs> I don't know if this show of us talking on the desk would look cooler in Can slow we, motion, Jason. Let's just try it. Let's just for, uh, I don't see. Know. Let's just see. I mean, Jerem has joked in the past, and, and by joke, I mean, he, he seriously has, has suggested that people go back and listen to the show on the podcast at like half speed yeah. because he's, it's quite hilarious. So I don't know if it's cool, but it is hilarious to listen to us talk in slow motion. <laughs> do you ever do that with podcasts? Do like the double speed? Because I can't do that. I can't. I can do one and a half. I can't do double no, speed. No, no, no. I, I just, I want it. I want it real. I want it the way it was real intended time? to be okay. listened to. I can't do the double speed. Because it just it just freaks me out. I just can't do it. It's Jer- got to be yeah. the regular speed. Yeah, Jerem does the double time, and oh, he yeah. consumes so much content because of that. But he's Mr. Efficiency, right? <laughs> it's it's incredible. He's got to get to his next meeting. <laughs> but can he dunk at 340 pounds? <laughs> yeah, always another meeting. Always another meeting. Here's your Wednesday show lineup. BYU basketball in the midst of an unknown February frenzy. Only three games remain on the regular season schedule, so... What's the ideal scheduling approach before the NCAA tournament tips off? To add games or not to add games? While basketball waits patiently for the next game, basically every other BYU team is playing and winning and ranked. We'll update that. And your new offensive line coach at BYU football, Daryl Funk, joins us. Why his expectations are sky high, Jason. And we'll talk with the man who literally... Flies in the sky for BYU track and field. (laughs) Zach McHorder joins us live. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. How about we start things off with a little NFL. According to ESPN's Todd McShay, his post-Super Bowl mock draft, he has Zach Wilson going number two overall to the New York Jets. However, McShay says that Wilson going second is more about the spot than it is about the specific team referencing the possibility of a team trading into that spot to select the former Cougar. He does mention by name 
the Carolina Panthers. Okay. The fine folks at Football Scoop named BYU Offensive Coordinator Aaron Roderick the 2020 Quarterbacks Coach of the Year well-deserved for his work with Zach Wilson and company. Under Roderick's tutelage, Zach Wilson posted top 10 numbers in 11 statistical categories of Division I football last season. Wilson is projected to become the highest NFL draft pick in BYU football history if indeed he goes at 1, 2, 3, or 4, Jason. It's certainly trending that way without question. Number 12, BYU women's volleyball improves to 4-0 after defeating Gonzaga 3-1 in the home opener last night. Four Cougars finished with double-digit kills. Freshman Maddie Allen recorded her first career double-double with 18 digs and a career-high 13 assists. 13 assists? 13 assists. The Cougars and Bulldogs play again tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the BYU TV app. BYU women's basketball takes down Pepperdine 57-43, sweeping the season series against the Waves. The Cougars held the Waves to just two points in the fourth quarter. That'll get it done. Paisley Harding led all scores with 20 points. She had five three-pointers. Sarah Hampson tied her career high with nine blocks. BYU plays game two of a three-game set this week tomorrow at Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern on the WCC Network. By the way, BYU remains the last team in the projected field of ESPN's Bracketology. BYU men's golf won its first tournament of the season yesterday at the Nick Watney Invitational in Fresno, California. The Cougars shot a final round 273 and a three-round score of 833. That's good for a three-shot win over second-place LMU. BYU returns to competition March 8th and 9th at the Lampkin Invitational in Chula Vista, California. Huge shout-out to Bruce Brockbank and Todd Miller having the guys play at a high level. They were third place going into the final round, Jason, and then just played lights out. So well done. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Three more to go. BYU basketball, yes, has a total of three regular season games remaining, and then maybe the West Coast Conference Tournament in Las Vegas? Before March Madness tips off, we know for sure that's happening in Indiana. Jason, 32 days until Selection Sunday. So We're Jim or Fredette away from the NCAA tournament. Or Dennis Pitta. An apt point you bring up. What will the next 32 days look like for BYU basketball? Who knows? No, honestly, there's so many variables. This is... This is my opinion. This is not inside information. This is just what I believe will probably happen. BYU is going to play their final three scheduled games. I think those will get played. So I expect the three games that are currently on the schedule to actually be played. I also think BYU will at least try to reschedule the two games that were postponed most recently. Well, I guess it's not most recently because USF was postponed a little while. You've had other postponements in between. <laughs> but I, I still think St. Mary's in, in San Francisco, those are games that BYU will still at least try to play. Okay. So I think there's a possibility of five more games before you get to the WCC tournament. I, I don't expect added games from teams outside the conference. I, I don't expect, for a couple of reasons. Everybody's dealing with their own issues within their own programs. So I just don't see a ton of opponents eager to make wholesale changes to their schedule. And, and I also don't see teams that are going to travel a great distance to play a game right now. I, I just 
I'm, I don't expect that. It certainly could happen, but that's not something I expect. Something I do expect, I do think BYU does play in the WCC tournament. I, look, BYU isn't Gonzaga. Gonzaga is the number one team. They're undefeated. They can kind of call the shots. You're not going to dock the number one team in the country because they, if it's even an option, opt out of a conference tournament. Okay. I think you can sort of understand that. BYU's not in that situation. And, and, and I think the Cougars would be hit hard by the selection committee if they decided to do something like that. So I'm not sure it's in BYU's best interest to even opt out if that is an option. So I think BYU plays. So those, those are kind of the things that I would expect over the next 32 days. Let's get to the specifics of the three games that remain on the schedule. And I think that BYU has every intention of playing all three. And frankly, those games could help, in a way, BYU's resume because of where they're played and when they're played. BYU has two Quadrant 2 games remaining on the schedule at Pacific and at LMU. Those are quality games when you look at the net rankings. Those teams have to be within the top 135 of 330 or 350, however many teams are actually playing right now. So it's a top third of college basketball game on the road. Those things could actually help BYU's metrics and I think they're needed challenges for the Cougars so that the rust doesn't set in. you got to play some games. And then BYU has a home game against Santa Clara, quad three, that's fine. Now, interestingly enough, San Francisco right now, Jason, in Provo, would be a quadrant three game. So I don't know that BYU needs San Francisco to come to Provo. They already won on the road on the hilltop. They've accomplished the best thing they can accomplish against San Francisco. So if the Dons can't make it happen... Oh, well, St. Mary's hurts because that's a quadrant two home yes. game in Provo and it's the rivalry. And again, people will watch that game because of the name brand associated with both of those teams. So committee's looking, uh, the metric makers are looking. If BYU takes care of business against St. Mary's, then, okay, that could probably help the resume too. So I'm hoping that BYU plays at least four games in the regular season leading up to the West Coast Conference Tournament. San Diego's not going to happen. And frankly, I think that helped BYU, Jason. Home and away. What can BYU do against San Diego, the second worst team by net ranking in the conference, home and you road? You have nothing to, to gain and everything anything. to lose. Yeah, to do anything yes. to help their tournament preparation other than, well, it's just another game. And I know the guys want to play games, but it's bigger than that this year, clearly. Which is why Mark Few and Gonzaga are like, uh, let's be selective about how we approach this West Coast Conference tournament. And if teams have canceled, maybe we don't want to reschedule those teams. We don't want to risk uh, any COVID exposure. So it's bigger than that. I'm hoping for four games. I hope that St. Mary's is added back. If the Gales are not added back on, and heaven forbid, if BYU has another game canceled, whether right. it's Santa Clara or LMU or Pacific again, then they need to add something. And to your point of, well, they're can't travel far, or you, you got to be careful about who you schedule. You got to find someone that's going to help. Mark Pope said yesterday or the, the day before after the loss against Gonzaga hey, any uh, quadrant one teams out there, any top 50 teams, uh, Blue Bloods, we'll play it and we will and we travel. We will go there, yes. We will travel. Yeah. So the desire to play those games is there for BYU. Knowing their head coach, it's not surprising. How about a team in the Mountain West Conference, Jason? Whether it's Colorado State, or maybe Utah State comes to Provo. Well, it's going to plays a season series. That's a close team yes. in the Mountain West Conference. In all likelihood, if you're going to get something like that, it's going to be a another local team, or it is certainly going to be a regional team 
where the travel for either is is not insurmountable. I could see a scenario where a Mountain West Conference team plays BYU, whether it's in Provo, Utah State returns the trip, or BYU goes to Fort Collins and plays Colorado State, and you say, well, who's going to risk that? Who wants to do that? Colorado State and Utah State are both teams very much on the bubble. Right. They need quality wins to boost their resume so that they can be in the field. So they're, I think, chomping at the bit for an opportunity to play a team like BYU because they know what a win would do to elevate their resume. So why not have a bracket buster between BYU and the West Coast Conference and either the Yaggies or the Rams in the Mountain West Conference? I think that would be a good thing. Because BYU, thanks to their resume, Jason, are a desired target. When you look at the numbers, they are 30 in the net rankings as of today, holding steady. Always good to be top 30 in the net, the most important metric of all. BYU down one in Kempom and ESPN's Basketball Power Index, and then holding steady at 23 in the KPI. Strength of record, 28. Sagarin ratings, 27. The Cougars don't play until February 18th. Do those numbers hold? You would think at this point in the season they have enough on the resume that they will. It is a very it's, – it's very strange. Well, I, normally it's very strange. It's not necessarily strange this season to have that type of layoff. But, yeah, I, I, I am curious to know – what BYU is looking to do in terms of this this ten day break in between and what you can get done that's a long time to not be playing a basketball game at this point in the season. Bracket Matrix has BYU as an average eight point two one seed. Do we not get to talk with Bracket Matrix today? Apparently not, unless he wants to chime in, which he's always welcome to do. Team Rankings has BYU with the highest percentage chance of a seven seed, fifteen point six percent. A seven seed sounds really nice, doesn't sounds it? Sounds fantastic. If BYU wins their final three regular season games, maybe they beat St. Mary's at home. Is that enough to jump the Cougars up to the seven seed line? Maybe. They're one of only 10 teams in the entire country that has played 20 games and won 15. It's, it's been almost impossible to do that. So there is some value in that as well, just playing games and winning a lot. Our question of the day. On the topic of the unknown in this February frenzy of college basketball, what will the next 32 days look like for BYU basketball before the 2021 Selection Sunday? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Brian Buss on Twitter says, I'm more concerned with getting games in the next 32 days than I was in the prior 32 days. With all of the COVID issues in conference, I'm not confident that BYU will even play more than three or four games in that time span, and this team needs games. But do they need games, Jason? If they're one of only 10 teams to play 20 in the entire country. Yeah, you've, you've exceeded a lot of other teams' output in terms of number of games, wins. I, I don't know if, if it's necessary to have it. I still think BYU will look to schedule some games. The optics are good if you are aggressive and oh, excuse me, not public. reschedule some of those that have missed Sure, on top of the three that you already have. I think it's more likely you try and reschedule than that you get some others that aren't currently on the schedule yeah. right now. Play the three, give me St. Mary's or Colorado State. Hashtag BYUSN, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Coming up, which BYU athlete had the best week last week? And the new BYU offensive line coach, Daryl Funk. Bring in defunct, Jason. Sorry, I can't help myself. What's his philosophy? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 
catch BYU basketball with Mark Pope on demand as the coach and Greg Rubel recap the Gonzaga game. They chat with Connor Harding and they'll show you a new deep blue with Gideon George. You are not going to want to miss that, I promise. Talks about his amazing journey from Nigeria to pro. That's uh, BYU basketball with Mark Pope on demand. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jason Shepard. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is the brand-new BYU football offensive line coach, Daryl Funk. Daryl, welcome to BYU football and BYU Sports Nation. Awesome. It's great to be here. I'm fired up to, to be on this morning. You guys doing okay? We're feeling great. Feeling fantastic. Right. And it's, hey, we can never talk enough football, even if it's in February, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Why Year w- round 24-7. Absolutely. Why was the BYU position the desired job for you at this point in your life? Well, this university, this football program has been uh, a, a benchmark of excellence for years and years, as long as I've been aware of football, which is a long time since I, I grew up. I had a football in my crib at one point, so it's been a long time. So I just to have a chance to join a program like this, not only just the program and, and, and everything they've accomplished, but specifically offensive line. This, this place has produced a ton of great offensive linemen and, as importantly, great offensive lines in unison which is really what I try to hit. I mean, it's, it's great to have great players, but when they've played so well together over the years and just dominated football games uh, year in, year out, decade after decade, I mean, that to me, it, it doesn't get any better than this. Coach, you, you've had uh, a, a long career in this business, but most recently you were at UTSA back in 2019. You weren't on a staff in 2020. Give everybody an idea of what you've been up to over the last year, obviously with COVID and everything else you know, uh, that everybody's been dealing with. What, what's the last year been like for you? Yeah, I was at UTSA for a few years, and uh, after the 19 season, uh, uh, the staff uh, left, and, and I was in the process of right before COVID hit. I, was, I had some interviews lined up. I had some things going on, and it was looking like uh, there would be some things, and all of a sudden that thing hit, and as you know, all of a sudden you weren't flying, you weren't interviewing, you weren't doing that. And then they started hiring freezes and everything. And then it just kind of went like that. I had a few opportunities that, uh, that I, I, I thought maybe I should just wait and see. But what ended up happening, and I've always been a person who looks for that silver lining in every cloud. Uh, did I want to sit for a year? No. Did I need to? Someone asked me, well, maybe you recharge your batteries in that year. I didn't need my batteries recharged. It wasn't a situation like that. But what's cool about it is uh, after I kind of fun- finally figured out, okay, I don't even know if there's going to be a college season. I just went right to work in terms of, in fact, I bought a terrific computer system for digital video. And as much of a football junkie as I think I am, I became even more. And I was watching, I watched more football and just studied the game and schemes and watched offenses and watched defenses and worked hard to become a better coach so that when, whether it ended up happening last spring or maybe even this summer or fall, there were a couple opportunities or this cycle that I'd be ready. But it actually turned into, uh, it, it turned into a, a positive. We got a chance. I mean, my wife, Teresa is a, is awesome. We've been together over 30 years and it gave me a chance. She probably would say, wow, that you were around a lot, you know, this last year and all that. And I'm sure she did, but it gave us a chance to, to get reconnected a bit. My kids are great. They're all over the country. Two of them are still in school. One's coaching at, at Indiana State. And so uh, the only regret I have 
of that because I, I really benefited a lot as a coach th- this fall. But I wish I would have been able maybe to, to go to, a, you know, travel, visit a couple staffs, which, you know, some people do when they're taking a, a year out of it. And, and that didn't happen. But uh, I enjoyed it. And, and it's prepped me for uh, for this opportunity. Now I'm raring to go. I can tell you that. New BYU offensive line coach Daryl Funk with us on BYU Sports Nation. You talk about those family relationships. Those are obviously critical and drive all of us. There are also relationships uh, within the football world, which feels like a family. So where did the ties begin for you and your football family at BYU with Kalani Satake or any other member of the current BYU football staff? Yeah, well, really the the first connections that we made were from across the sidelines because while they were – both at uh, Kalani and, and Aaron were both at Utah. I had spent time competing against them when I was at Colorado State and then again at San Diego State. So the first part of it was just knowing each other, you know, competing against each other, the respect you gain when you, when you battle. We had some good battles uh, between the two schools. And so that was kind of the start of it because uh, I think we knew of each other and different things weren't, weren't close or anything, but that's where it started. And then what happened as this job uh, opened up, you know, the football business is, is just like a lot of things. It's a huge network of, it's a brotherhood, but it's a huge network of, you know, it's former coaches, assistants. You worked with this guy, you worked with him. And what ended up happening is my, my close uh, net, my, my real closest network that I have to me really aligned well with Kalani's and Aaron's and people that, that we had both worked, not only worked with, but trusted kind of went two ways that kind of opened the door for it. And then uh, the conversations on the phone became longer and longer and getting more detailed. And there were a lot of things that I thought were really aligned. Uh, not only the, the desire to come to a program like this, but also you know, what, what they, what they've been doing up front, uh, you know, things that I've done in the past. Uh, and, and I think it just, uh, I felt really connected with A-Rod from, from the jump. And then as, as coach Sataki and I, you know, got together, it just became a really good match. So I'm, I'm excited, but it's funny because sometimes you, you get jobs because you played for someone or you coached with someone or all that. Uh, this was a little bit different, but it, uh, it really has worked out well for me, and I, I can't wait to, to get going. I've, I've not even been in the building 48 hours. In fact, it'll be 48 hours in, <laughs> in two hours, so uh, I'm, I've got a lot to, to get caught up on, but I'm sure excited to be here and get ready for spring ball. Well, I'm sure you've put that digital video uh, system that you bought to, to good use, and even though it's been a short time, I'm sure you've had a chance to look at the BYU offensive line, certainly uh, losing some of the players to the NFL that were on the, uh, the team last year. What do you feel you have at that position right now, even though it's early right now? Yeah, well, I had watched a lot of tape, and ironically, even before this whole situation opened up, I had watched a lot of BYU games, starting with the opener and and just watching what they had done and the and the style of play really fit with a lot of places that I've been. And so I had watched a ton. And then when I got involved in it, obviously I went back to it and watched. And, uh, you know, I know we're losing some really good players. I, I, I get that. But when I look at it, I, I keep and I keep asking. Uh, well, now I'm a little bit better. But for a couple of days, I was like, oh, wait, who's this? I, I don't recognize that number. Who's this name? And I'm still 
catching up. I've, I've met with the O-line and I met with about half of them individually. So I'm still working on that, but I, I really feel good about the, the guys coming back. We've got a, I think a great combination of, of guys that have played a lot of football. James Epi comes to mind with all his starts and, and, and big Blake Freeland and, and some other guys that have played a lot of football. And, and yet there's some younger guys that are exciting. There's some newcomers that are coming in and, and, one thing, and I talked to the lineman at length about this, you know, we, we have some guys that maybe at one point were, were tight ends or, or, or defensive linemen. Throughout my time coaching, I've had a ton of guys that have really become great offensive linemen that maybe grudgingly moved from, from tight end there. You know, maybe they had to pull them a little bit to get them away from throwing past Skelly and all that. But once they bought in and they realized, wow, my athleticism in this room and now I just got to get bigger and learn it. But you've got that sprinkled in. So I really like the kids. They're hardworking. One thing that jumped out at me, and it's always one of the first things I look for, uh, not only when I'm looking at offenses, but also defenses, how hard they play. These kids in this program play hard. They play hard. They play fast. Um, they have a, a, a great system. And and uh, I'm just looking forward to, to not only um, – you know, continuing, you know, working to continue where they left off and build on it. But also, I mean, there'll be, I've done this over 30 years. There'll be a few little wrinkles here or there or something that we'll, we'll you know, we'll work on. But for the most part, I mean, this is just, I'm just excited to, to take this group where they left off and just run from there and, and, and have a great spring and just see, see how it all shakes out. But I'm, I'm fired up about the room. What's your offensive line coaching philosophy or motto if you have one? Well, there's a lot of ways that people look at that. And if you ask 10 offensive line coaches, you might get 10 different answers. But to me, even though I try to stay on the cutting edge of all the new things in offense, the, the game comes down to toughness. You know, it's blocking and tackling, but that, that stems from toughness. So for me, it's always going to start with toughness. And that's a general word. What does that actually mean? There's a lot of ways to measure it, but we're going to recruit toughness here. They have recruited toughness here. And, and, and we're going to, so that to me is always the first thing that I, that I look for. In fact, in my meeting with those guys the other day, I, I realized we had, you know, different things we were covering and I use the word toughness quite a bit and they know it. And that's real physical, mental toughness. Uh, obviously you have to have the, the, uh, the, the skill sets, the size, you know, different things. But I've had a lot of great players that have gone on to the NFL. And, and one of my best players was 6'1", 287. And he won the Remington Award one. So, you know, they, you don't have to be, even though we've got some monsters in there. We've got these guys that are 6'8", 320, 6'8", 3. We've got some of those. But you have to have that ability, uh, you know, and the skills, the, the, the size to be able to do that. So you're looking for that. But, but to me, the other part of it, the, the, the effort, I think you judge a coach in any position by how hard their kids play. And, and I take pride in, in preaching that and, and making sure that they can go full speed. I talked to the kids the other day, you know, they got to know exactly what they're doing, which is my job to go full speed. So it all fits in together, but effort is huge. And then the other part, we will always stress the fundamentals of the game. Yeah, there's some different techniques you can use. There's a couple of things. Okay, this might be a good change-up block or a change-up pass set or something. But we're going to be fundamentally sound. You know, we're going to we're going to play the game the right way. You know, we're we're going to run the football. We're going to protect. We're going to put it all together. And uh, and 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 I I think the, this group has obviously the 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 base fundamentals 
down. Like I said, there'll be a couple little things we'll work on. I told them they may have to, I may make a call one time and they look at me like well, I got three heads or whatever. I'm like, oh, sorry, I've been using that call for 28 years, but I'm going to use yours. So I, I'll have to transition a little bit, but I think it's going to be seamless. Just judging from my meetings with them so far, uh, you know, everyone, they seem excited. They seem ready to go. And uh, I just can't wait to get them out on the field and start working on our trade. So you, you've referenced San Diego State. You referenced Colorado State. You're a Fort Collins native. You played at Colorado State. So I, I'm going to assume that maybe your impression or how you viewed BYU was maybe slightly different back in the day <laughs> than maybe it is now that you're wearing the Y. I'm, I'm curious what that dynamic has been like uh, going from probably not liking BYU too much as a player to now being part of BYU. Yeah, and that's interesting. I've been thinking about that a lot because you're right. I mean, when, you, when you're an opponent playing against BYU every year, I mean, you, if, you, if you say you don't like them, it's only because they're the best. If you say you don't like them, it's because, you know, you know, you're trying to gear yourself up. We always had great respect for BYU, no matter where I was playing and you knew it was going to be not only great players but well coached and they're going to play hard and and so so there was that but that was certainly every place I've been we played them that was one of the games on the schedule you look and you're like okay we got to be ready for that one but what's interesting as you mentioned it and and my history playing against BYU has been you know up and down obviously a lot of BYU's won a lot of games so a lot of opponents haven't fared well but uh, but I remember coming to this stadium uh, Steve Young's last year was my first year and I'd only played special teams, but being there and, and watching him run around and moving, not knowing, you know, what he would do in, in the future. And I'm in awe of that. But, and uh, the second year was my actual first start. The national championship year was my first start back at Hughes stadium in Fort Collins against that team. And uh, I don't remember all the names up front on that defense. All I know is they were some big guys, and I was a, <laughs> a young tight. I was a heavy tight. And I got moved from O-line and training camp because we had an injury. But anyway, and that, and then playing against uh, – and then we won here in 86. I had a little comeback and won, uh, won the game here in 86. So as a player, you know, going one and three – uh, as a player, isn't something to write home about. But if you think of it, well, you won at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. That's a pretty good accomplishment for Colorado State back in 86. And it was a big game. Now, when you fast forward, when I was, uh, you know, at San Diego State and, and we had, uh, you know, we had a, we had a couple, uh, uh, well, even before that, when I was coaching at Colorado State, again, that was a big game. We won here in 03, played really well. I don't remember the the other games. I just can't remember. But I know I know we won here, so I won twice here. And then San Diego State, uh, we we played pretty tough the first year when I was there, and then the second year had a battle here and lost. But just nothing but respect. But always a game you didn't have trouble getting up for as a player, or you didn't have trouble getting the kids up to play BYU. And I know that's still the case for people coming in into uh, our building. We wholeheartedly wish you many, many more victories yes. in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Well, I, that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and I appreciate that. <laughs> Coach, it's great to talk with you. Again, welcome to the BYU football program, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Sounds good. You guys have a great day. Appreciate you having me on. You got it. Daryl Funk on the Deseret First right. Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Yeah, that's got to be, you know, you, you, you grow up and you're playing, you know, in these conferences and there's certain teams you like and certain teams you don't like. 
You know, it's just, it's funny how life turns out sometimes, right? He was very quick to remember the year (laughs) that he won his first game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Absolutely. All right, coming up, what's it like to fly? Now that is a good tease. Plus, Yoli or Jake? A G League showdown tonight of former Cougars. Who you got? This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. It's back-to-back nights for 12th-ranked BYU women's volleyball as they host Gonzaga again tonight at Smithfield House. You can watch tonight's match, 6 Eastern, on the BYU TV app. He is Jason Shepard. I am Spencer Linton, and this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it! The Cougar Whip Around, presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Jason, it's an NBA G League showdown of former BYU basketball stars today. Jake Toulson and the Salt Lake Stars take on Yoli Childs and the Erie Bayhawks. Who you got? Look, I'm not going to pretend I know a whole lot about the Erie Bayhawks, but I do know a lot more about the Salt Lake City Stars being the G League affiliate of the Jazz. So I'm going to go with Toulson and the Stars today. I can't go against my guy, Yo. I know that he's playing for the opponent of your beloved franchise G League team. Uh, isn't it your franchise as well? <laughs> yes, but I know what Yoli Childs is capable of, so I'm going to give the edge to Yoli in this specific showdown. Okay. By the way, you can watch that on NBA TV today. Uh, BYU baseball was picked by the coaches to finish fourth in the West Coast Conference preseason poll. Is this good motivation for Coach Littlewood and his team? One million percent yes. It's always a good thing for BYU baseball when they are underestimated and overlooked. Now, specifically when they're picked to finish sixth, they generally win the conference. Yes. It's only fourth this time, so hopefully that still translates to a conference championship. Yes, I I love this, and I know that this team will use that as motivation 100%. So I I think it is good that, that they can use this to fuel them throughout the year. Fact, it's fun to win. Another fact, it's fun to have elite players on your favorite teams. Gabby Garcia-Fernandez of BYU Men's Volleyball, the ADCA National Player of the Week. Cameron Tucker of BYU Women's Soccer is the top drawer National Player of the Week after her hat trick. Which BYU athlete had the better previous week? I am going to go with Cameron Tucker, the hat trick. And by the way, she's had two hat tricks. I got to call one of them at K-State uh, in 2019, but it was against Utah. You get a hat trick and it's against Utah, I'm going Cameron Tucker. Yes, BYU dominates their heated rival 5-1, to one, led by three goals from Cameron Tucker, and Gabby had to suffer through a loss against UCLA in the first game against the Bruins before coming back and absolutely dominating them. So overall, it was a better week for Cameron. Both great for for both. Mm -hmm. 11th-ranked BYU Gymnastics travels to L.A. to face 10th-ranked UCLA. Uh, Jordan Matthews entertained last week with her Napoleon Dynamite (laughs) floor routine, which was great. If you were to don a leotard again Mm -mm. and take to the floor, what song or routine would be your inspiration? Probably something from Huey Lewis and the News and Back to the Future. I would dress up as Michael J. Fox with my life preserver on. Uh, or a life preserver over a leotard? I, I don't know. That, that's, that's the first Look, thing that came to mind, You're speaking Jason. my language when you're talking back to the future. <laughs> uh, I, I, I went with songs more than I went with the look. Uh, one of them would either be Gonna Make You Sweat from CNC Music Factory okay. or the uh, Y'all Ready for This song. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sing it. I'm not, I'm not singing it and it's on tape. I'm not. I'm stopping right there. <laughs> 
That was a wise you, decision. You know what I'm talking about, Business, though. I know what you're talking about. Yes. Business decision yes. right there. It's hip to be square, Jason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I hear. <laughs> All right, coming up. Current and former Cougar hoopsters get the spotlight in today's Rise and Shoutout. Plus, he's a rising star and a BYU record holder with Olympic aspirations. Pole vaulter Zach McWhorter joins us live next. This is BYU Sports Nation. Very close to singing on the show. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Catch the latest BYU Sports Nation right now with Kiki Solano. It's BYU Sports with a social media twist. Catch the latest episodes on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live in the studio, Bizzle. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, second guest of the day. His name is Zach McWhorter. He is an outstanding pole vaulter on the nationally ranked BYU track and field team. Zach, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Congratulations on setting a new BYU indoor record with your jump of 18 feet, 10 and three quarter inches. How did it feel to pull that off? Hey, it felt pretty good. It's been a long time coming and yeah, I, I can't complain. Excited for more. What's that moment like when you see that you've you've broken the record? What what was that immediate feeling like? Oh man, I mean, time just slows down. You know that that fall, especially from from eighteen feet ten inches, it uh, it feels like it, it lasts a lifetime. And I yeah, the first time I did it, just it felt incredible. I, I, <laughs> Zach, so. I have so many questions. Uh, and you brought up the fall from 18 feet, 10, three quarter inches. What's going through your mind uh, other than not freaking out that you're falling from such a height? Uh, yeah, about freaking out. You know, I, I've had some unique experiences, you know, with getting impelled by the pole in the past. And then, of course, uh, I've landed on the pole a few times. So it, I'm always thinking about that in the back of my mind, you know, but. How, how does something like that not enter your mind? Like, how do you get past that from a mental standpoint? Honestly, I, I just think that I have an inactive amygdala. I just the fear. <laughs> I just think that the the, the fear it, it, it subsides after uh, after it happens. You just move on. I'm going to use that in my life. I'm going to look it up and see what it is. What's your deal, man? Well, I just think I have an inactive amygdala. That is fantastic stuff, Zach. <laughs> Zach McCorder, outstanding pole vaulter from BYU Track and Field with us on BYU Sports Nation. So many questions we have, like how does one decide to even go into a unique sport like pole vaulting? What was the story for you? Right. So I, I would say I'm an outlier. Uh, my dad pole vaulted here at BYU, and I played all the, you know, the – the popular sports growing up, football, basketball, baseball, soccer. And uh, then when I was uh, 13, he purchased some pole vault pits from the University of Arkansas at an auction. So when you have pole vault pits in your front yard, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's likely that you'll try pole vaulting. <laughs> and so I tried it. And I mean, when you have someone who, who can coach you and you have the resources, you know, many people in my situation could have um, – excelled you know so i'm just imagining that conversation uh with your neighbor's friends hey mom i'm just gonna go over to the quarters and pole vault i'll be back in like an hour <laughs> <laughs> is, is, is that how did your friends try this 
Oh yeah. Several friends tried it. It was yeah, a lot of fun. And we, we kind of lived out in the country. So right by the highway, people would drive by and honk their horn and, <laughs> and yeah. So now you mentioned your dad, uh, and, and correct us if I'm wrong. He, he has the 10th best all time mark at BYU. So, so what's that like? I mean, you know, if he wants you, if he asks you to, if you come home, you're like, Hey, I'm going to need you to take out the trash. He's like, well, I'm number one and you're number 10. I'm going to need you to do that. I mean, do you guys, do you guys have fun with that? That you, do you have the higher mark than your dad? Yeah. I mean, it is, it is fun to, to mess with him, but I, I feel like if he had the opportunities that I had and he had a good coach and he had pulpits in his front yard, I feel like he probably could have jumped higher than me, you know? <laughs> so it, yeah, I had a, a, an unfair advantage. Okay, so I'm doing the math here. Did your mark essentially knock him out of the top ten? Then is he number eleven now? He actually, I think he still is. He still is in the top ten because I was I was uh, number two before, which knocked him down to ten. Okay, so. okay, okay. Very good. Zach yeah. McWhorter with us on BYU Sports Nation. We don't want to ruin family relationships on this show, man. so look what are your ultimate aspirations and goals in this sport what is it that you're wanting to achieve you know I don't want to set any limitations but I'll just tell you right now like with this season I first and foremost want to get the Olympic A standard which is 5.80 meters it's a little less than two inches higher than what I've jumped and then I'd actually like to go one, at least one centimeter, centimeter higher, uh, because the, the left-handed pole vault world record is, is 580. So I, I of course want to get that and then, and then get some more. I just want to be competitive this summer at the trials, which will, will which will take some more, you know, so Zach, another six inches at least. Explain to me what. When you're working out, what is it that you're working on? Obviously, there, there's speed involved. There's upper body strength. There's leg strength. What is it? Uh, what is it that you that you're working out and trying to improve when you train? Yeah. So <clears throat> there certainly is a, a correlation with with speed on the runway and how high you can jump. And so. <clears throat> This past off season in the fall, I trained with uh, Coach Stephanie Perkins to work on running form and um, and just trying to maintain speed at takeoff. But but really, I mean, people call pole vaulting a it's like a, a violent ballet. So there's you know you you want to have some gym, gymnastics abilities um, in that core, but just yeah, it's all around. But a lot of running and speed, I would say. Zach, between violent ballet and inactive uh, amygdala, I, I, this has been an all-time interview for us, my friend. This is you're making your mark here. Hey, I have a friend that wants to know though. Can you skip leg day and be a good pole vaulter? <laughs> you can't. You can't. <laughs> Jason, what? I said a friend wanted to know. <laughs> okay, if you did not pole vault, because there are so many events in track and field, if if you did not do that, which event would you be most likely to compete in? I would say the the hurdles, the, the the short hurdle, the yeah, like the sixty hurdles, one ten hurdles. Is this something that you had done exactly. previously? Yeah, yeah, I I did the hurdles in high school, and it also I would say um, contributes to pole vaulting. It helps. Okay, so, so uh, if we need to talk to Ed Eyestone for you and get you in the heat, <laughs> just uh, let us know. We'll we'll throw our weight around a little bit. All right, yeah, I, I'll uh, let you know. 
<laughs> what, what is next for you immediately coming up for you and the, and the rest of the squad? So tomorrow morning we're leaving for Lubbock, Texas Tech. And down there I'm going to get to go head-to-head with one of my best friends who's the number one ranked guy um, in the nation, number three in the world. So it'll be a good little showdown. Oh, wow. Fantastic stuff. Zach, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for your trip to Lubbock, Texas, and your next uh, event. Thanks for hanging out with us, man. It's been great to find out about the, the unique skill of how you got into pole vaulting, and we wish you the best. Hey, thanks for having me. You guys have a good one. You got it. Zach McWhorter on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Have you have you ever tried pole vaulting, no. or would you want? I have never tried, and I honestly have never even thought about it. I've been intrigued by the concept of it like but i i'm like how about you give me a pole vault and i jump over like a six foot pole well but i mean it, about 19 first, feet not at first it's just normal you're running upright then you're kind of on your back then you're completely upside down and you kind of flee i i don't even know the mechanics of how that works no, you have to have like incredible hand-eye coordination one two insert the pole into the proper place yes. to be able to leverage your body oh, yeah. up. It is. I'm just constantly worried that the pole's going to break. I'm just worried for you that if you try it, you'll end up with an inactive amygdala. Again. <laughs> hey, real quick, guys. Is. Can you spell amygdala? <laughs> Can we spell amygdala? Is it is it A-M-Y-G-D-A-L-A? Amygdala. Let's see. Yeah! <laughs> I paid attention in school. Okay, here is the definition. A roughly almond-shaped mm-hmm. mass of gray matter inside each cerebral hemisphere involved with the experiencing of emotions. <laughs> Thus, it's inactive and it's, he's not focusing on that. <laughs> oh, I impaled myself? Uh, no worries. So, uh, let's give it another go tomorrow and then set a school record. That's, that's unbelievable. Wow, that's that was cool. That's cool. Good for Zach. All right, coming up, Voice <laughs> of the Nation. Plus, our rise and shout-outs dominated by BYU basketball stars of the past and the future. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation's rise and shout-out is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Station, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Yes, you can also download the podcast. All you need to do is Google BYU Sports Station Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. We need to start an Instagram live account just for our commercial break conversations. But yeah, I had to ask you, I'm like, what was it in Billy or in uh, in Waterboy that uh, the teacher said is the mandula oblongata? Yes, not to be confused with, with the in, 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 inactive amygdala. No, 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 no. Did I say it right? I, I don't know. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I want to. I'm like, is, this, is that what he's talking about? The thing from the Waterboy? What's the name of the princess in Star Wars? Princess Leia? No, 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 no. Uh, oh, Amad- Amadala. Yes, I'm, it's close to that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call her Princess Amygdala now. Please don't. <laughs> Our question of the day <laughs> has nothing to do with anything that we've just been talking about, but it's still relevant because it's BYU basketball, and they're on the path to the NCAA tournament. What will the next 32 days look like for BYU hoops before Selection Sunday? Our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, from at CL Living underscore underscore Living rather on Twitter, Carrie Turner 
No, no, no. Oh, sorry. They, they took out the tweet. So we're going to give it to Carrie Turner. Congratulations, Carrie, on Instagram. I expect a lot more wins with one head-scratching loss than an abbreviated conference tournament finished second to Gonzaga. I like everything about that tweet other than a head-scratching head loss. Scr- no. I, I don't see a loss. No, please, I no. Do I don't want BYU to be bubblicious. No, we, there's, we do, do not need to make things more difficult. Take care of business. I, I would expect, with the three games that are on the schedule, I would certainly expect BYU to win those games. That is certainly my expectations for all of them. Yes, yes. a quad two and a quad three at yes, home. Absolutely. Win those and then figure out a way to beat Pacific. Okay? Or, sorry, uh, LMU on the road. Yes. Right. Take care of business! Today's Rise and Shoutouts, presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Who are you giving it to, Jason? I'm going to give it to Yoli Childs. And Jake Toulson, not only are they both experiencing their debuts as professional basketball players today in the G League, but they get to do it on the same floor against each other. That's a pretty cool moment yes. for two teammates. That's yeah, awesome. BYU fans, NBA TV. You yeah, can watch NBA Yoli TV and Jake. Three Eastern, that's right. Very cool. My rising shout-out goes to one Gideon George. And if you haven't seen the True Blue segment that debuted on BYU Basketball with Mark Pope, then you need to go find it on social media. It's all over the BYU TV Sports Twitter accounts, Instagram feed, and, of course, streaming online, BYUtv.org, or on the app. Unbelievable story of his journey from Nigeria to New Mexico Junior College to BYU. And not only that, Jason, just the spirit of that young man to want to give back to his community and knowing what he had to go through to try and make things easier for those that have a basketball dream. I watched that last night, and the very first thing that I thought of is, what shoes do I have that I can donate? Yes. That was the, that was the very first yeah. thing I thought of is, like, I want to help him out as much as possible. I want to help him? I want to help others? Yes. It's one of those powerful, moving stories that just make you want to be better. Absolutely. Our thanks to today's guest, BYU Offensive Line Coach Daryl Funk and BYU Track and Field star Zach McWhorter. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Always use hashtag BYUSN. For Jason, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Craig Jorgensen. See you tonight at 6 Eastern on the BYU TV app for 12th-ranked BYU Women's Volleyball hosting Gonzaga, trying to stay undefeated. Go Cougs!